I feel like when we were talking about music and the history of soul and R&B and all that stuff, um, Mm -hmm. obviously all of this stuff is very connected to uh, black history and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So like I think how uh, R&B was always kind of separated in this you know, oh, well, we have to market it as black music, but we can't be too racially whatever. So let's call it R&B, rhythm and blues, whatever that means, <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess like there's always been this part of the black struggle in the music. Um, yes. How do you feel like, do you think that maybe... It's like both as in the struggle happens and then they make music or the music happens and then that informs how people act as well. <laughs> I think it's a combination. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you listen to like um, Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions and their impact um, during the civil rights movement, um, really it's happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. So whatever the movement is, it affects the music too. Now, not saying they're not going about their business recording soul music, but it's, it's happening at the same time. And you know, during that time period, especially in the 60s, a lot of things were happening at the same time. You remember, you had the Vietnam War, which is a war that the United States got involved in around 1958, 1959. And it continued up until 1975. Because mm. once the French left Vietnam, United States got involved and that was going on. Mm. Right. Then at the same time, you had the boycotts like the Montgomery boycotts, the sit ins in North Carolina. Um, the, you know, walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, John Lewis getting hosed down, getting sicked on it. All of this was happening at the same time. Mm. So it did have the artists were still doing their thing, but the music did impact the, the, you know, meaning the, what was happening did impact the music. Yeah, it did. So it, it ran concurrently. It made, it ran together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, do you and, think that and you can hear it? Do you think that the music also affected how, I guess the, the, ferocity of the protest? Like, do you think that yeah. if, if Martin Luther King was out there saying all this stuff, but if there wasn't like other musicians making all this protest music, do you think it would have been as strong? Uh, you know what? I That's a good question. <laughs> maybe, maybe wouldn't have been as strong, but um, I, I think they couldn't do without each other. Mm-hmm. Because remember you had <clears throat> uh, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan heavily influenced <clears throat> Sam Cooke. Mm-hmm. And it influenced Sam Cooke to make a change is going to come. Yeah. 
because Sam Cooke was listening to Bob Dylan and his music and how that music, because remember, folk music <clears throat> was also at this time very um, prominent mm-hmm. as well, along with R&B. Yeah. And <clears throat> the, the folk music artists were working along with R&B and it's like it all kind of mixed very well together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, it did. I think it couldn't be without each other. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have. <clears throat> I don't think the am, impact of the civil rights movement, not saying it wouldn't be able to exist, but it was a good addition. The music did help to change um, because remember, <clears throat> music is a unifier. And it's also, it can communicate the message further. Mm-hmm. It can communicate what I say even further. Mm-hmm. Because music can be used to reference the movement mm-hmm. through the words. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Without directly saying ABC. Right. But it can launch whatever's in the air. Mm-hmm that will get people to listen and move in a certain direction. Yeah. So I don't think they could coexist without each other. Right. And then it, it still, it still keeps going though. Cause I mean, obviously it wasn't over in the sixties. It's still no. not over. And so no. it's like, we still have, I mean, what's going on and that's right. Like, and public enemy. Yeah, exactly. And then how, how rap, takes that's right the sort of takes the, the baton place. yes uh, it did and mm-hmm. i guess no mm-hmm. pun intended with the baton with police but uh, right <laughs> the, right um, right uh-huh. but rap music yes. sort of took yes. that and went like hey this is what we're dealing this is with what's, too. this this is what still what rap did was <clears throat> and i don't know if that was the intention of the forefathers of rap mm-hmm. but rap really um, became a tool to continue to carry the message and let pay people know, no, things still haven't changed all that much. Mm-hmm. Right. We still having problems with the police, having problems with drugs, having problems with getting a job, because that's exactly what Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, the message was yeah. about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what it was about. And, and like you said, the message carried the baton mm-hmm. to let you know, hey, here in the inner city, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Meaning <clears throat> after we did all that marching, how much did it change? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, you look at Black Lives Matter, it's mm-hmm. doing the same thing. It's, it's saying, "Uh oh, we need to shift the, the, the camera back. Uh, we're still having problems. Hello? Mm-hmm. Still having problems. Yeah. So hip hop is is when you listen to Public Enemy, KRS One, right? Grandmaster Flash, right? Even some of uh, um um the gangster rappers, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? NWA. Mm-hmm. NWA <clears throat> basically highlighted the police brutality in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and what was going on in the hood in Compton. Mm-hmm. And Watts, and it put a picture back on that. A lot of people were very um, 
um, anti-NWA, mm -hmm. but NWA, a lot of their music is what they experience. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you look at that, hip hop has a way of telling the story to let you know. Now, don't think for a minute that things are OK. Mm -hmm. OK. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people, you know, of course, we went through this thing when they wanted to ban the gangster rappers and all of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times they was telling you the story what was going on. Yeah. Yep. Who do you think is carrying that baton now? Uh, who, are, who are the musicians today that are telling the story in their own way? Um, the ones that I like, I like J. Cole. Because mm. J. Cole, he kind of changed a little bit where he he's he's very earthy. Always like Common. Mm -hmm. Common been around for a minute, but Common finally got got um um let's say more popular when they did the rap for Glory. You know what I'm saying? But Common always was mm -hmm. addressing that. Um, another rapper that I like um, always was tell the street stories. Nas, mm -hmm. right? Even Kanye. Mm -hmm. Listen to some of his stuff. You know, some of the stuff that he he talks about. Yeah. Right. Um, they're they're you know trap people talking about trap music, but some of the trap artists they got skillful wordplay. Mm -hmm. You just have to listen. But some of the trap artists out here that they they telling you what's going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you have um I mean Kendrick Today I'm I'm enlightened by the fact that you have like my man um from California that I like. Um Kendrick yeah, Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> I love him. I love him because he's like a combination of H Rap Brown <laughs> rolled together with Stokely Carmichael, mm -hmm. right? But He's taken what was going on from where he comes from and he's bringing it to a theater near you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not only but that, I but I like uh, the skillful wordplay. So, on the last episode, we talked about how like history and sort of finding out where that stuff comes from with Tampipa Butterfly, yeah. he had all of that jazz funk in there. Oh, yeah. And what? so he, he was using all of the history. To yes, like make the new music of today and tell the story right. of today. So that's right. <laughs> you know, when you listen to Kendrick Lamar, it's like listening to the Ohio players <laughs> with a rapper on it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he I don't know. It's just I just love him. I love his music. Um, I love his style, very influential um guy, and the guy. I can rap with a band, mm -hmm. you know, because back in the days, that's what the early right. hip-hop artists did. Yeah. They had a band playing back up to them, mm -hmm. and they were rap, like the Treacherous Three, you know, even Grandmaster Flash when he did Super Rapping, mm -hmm. you know, um, Funky Four plus One More. Mm -hmm. You know, they had bands playing, backing them up. They didn't have all that samplers and, mm -hmm. and, and, and synth, um, they had a synthesizer, but they didn't have like all that sampling. They had a live band backing them up when they sang. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, mentioning actually whenever it kind of started turning into the, the sampling stuff, uh, I'm reminded of the like Rick Rubin with 
the Beastie Boys, but then also just uh, all of Def Jam, uh, yeah. how that shaped how rap music was presented and without the without the band, but more of this sort of front-facing uh, style, if you will. <laughs> well, well, with Rick Rubin, you know, Rick Rubin came along with Russell Simmons, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And they both together and, you know, but, Ru- but Russell and Rick also came from the hip-hop era because they were, the, like, to me, the generation before me. They came from the era where you did hip-hop with a band. Mm-hmm. They did. Um, but it was their era where they were able to use the TR-808 mm-hmm. drum um, <laughs> from Roland, right? Where they can put beats, record beats, and they used some sampling as well. Um, but still, um, they were able to put out some great records. Yeah. You know, and one, um, I think to me, the group that really, really catapulted um, hip hop into the atmosphere was Run DMC. Exactly. <laughs> because they were able to take the elements of the street and then mash it together with rock. Mm hmm. And that's where you got that marriage of hip hop and rock. Yeah. You know, in terms of you had some of the bands that would do hip hop and rock, like the Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And other bands um, that were very popular in the 90s. Mm. Rage um, Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine, yes. Because I think they did something with Public Enemy mm-hmm. as well, you know where you got that marriage and and I felt it was not that different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because really, like I said to you before, in the beginnings of hip hop, we used to use a lot of break beats from rock records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you listen to um, Run DMC, one of their songs, they use Billy Squire. I got the big beat. <laughs> right. Boom. Ba-doom, boom. 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 <laughs> Boom, boom. A lot of times when you when you hear us say the boom, boom, bat, a lot of times the boom, boom, bat was from the rock record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's what that's what it sounded like. Boom, boom, bat, boom, boom, bat, the bass drum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, that marriage between hip hop and rock was killer. Mm-hmm. Was killer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was and it fit right because that's what we were doing anyway when we were mixing records anyway. Yeah. Uh, and marriage. this this kind of goes into the greater conversation, but I think that there is something powerful uh, about having the unity of yes, hip hop and rock, and having the unity yeah. of someone like well, like Run DMC, having Rick Rubin, this white guy who really doesn't mm-hmm. identify with being white, but necessarily just wanted good hip hop, you know. Just good music. Um, the Beastie, listen, the Beastie Boys. When I first heard the Beastie Boys, they had this record called Cookie Puss, mm-hmm. right? Because <laughs> Cookie Puss was some damn ice cream from Carvel. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Carvel was very popular in New York. Okay, he had all these ice cream shops. Carvel, you know, you can look it up. And he had this one uh, ice cream called Cookie Puss. So it's cookies and ice cream. So the Beastie Boys did a record called Cookie Puss. And I was like, who is this group? <laughs> I got hooked mm-hmm. on Beastie Boys way before they got mad popular. Mm-hmm. 
But the Beastie Boys, they they like hip hop, mm-hmm. and they they were just fans of hip hop. But they but they knew how to rap. They knew how to do the mixing, all that kind of stuff. And it was a great marriage. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Rick Rubin, he just liked good hip-hop. Exactly. He grew up listening to good hip-hop. And um, he was able to work with a guy, with 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 um, Russell Simmons, and they were able to put that together and put out some great records. I mean, LL Cool J, mm-hmm. I Need a Beat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> LL Cool J, if you saw the movie Crush Grooving, right? That's when you saw LL Cool J, right? Mm-hmm. You saw Run DMC. You know what I'm saying? These are the artists that they were promoting in Crush Grooving. Mm-hmm. Sheila E was in Crush Grooving too, mm-hmm. also. But Crush Grooving, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it was just good, good hip hop. Mm-hmm. Good hip, good hip hop. Yeah. I feel like something else is that, um, I mean, we were talking a lot about like the kind of protest music, people talking about mm-hmm. the stuff that's going on, but I feel like it, it's easy to kind of get bogged down into like, oh, this is like part of the movement and stuff like that. But there's still a lot of great soul music that yeah. is just about having a good time. Well, you you had, listen... There are many places to go for that. You know, you can go down to Memphis, Tennessee, Stax Records. Mm-hmm. They put out some great music. Great artists came out of Stax. Um, Isaac Hayes came out of Stax Records, but Isaac Hayes was a writer mm-hmm. before you got to know Isaac Hayes later on as a musician and a singer. Mm-hmm. But he was a writer, and his writing partner was David Porter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sam and Dave. Right. Mm. They were good. They came out of it. Wilson Pickett was produced at Saks, even though he was on Atlanta Records. It was a lot of Saks records were were distributed by Atlanta record, Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm. Right. You had that. You had Mabel John, who is the sister of Little Willie John, who was who made the song Fever, which has been covered by so many damn people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Willie, Little Willie John, that was his song, Fever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you had Mabel John, right? Um, the Mad Lads, who were like a southern doo-wop group, but they made some great slow jams, mm-hmm. slow sides, the staple singers. They didn't come to stacks till later on in, in the late 60s to the early 70s, right? <clears throat> you had the Barkays, which were young men who at the time, they were like 17, 18 years old that backed up Otis Redding mm-hmm. as his backing band. They were very good musicians. They were taught well. Booker T and the MGs. Also with Steve Cropper and Donald Duck Dunn. <laughs> and what I loved about Stax Records is that Stax Rex- Records was mixed with black and white mm-hmm. musicians. Okay, that was bringing you that some of that home-cooked Memphis, Tennessee soul and then you have Chicago. Chicago was putting out great music, mm-hmm. um, putting out Curtis Mayfield, The Five Stair Steps, right? Um, um, there was this other Gems, which Minnie Ripperton came out of the Gems mm-hmm. from Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Fontella Bass, right? Maurice White used to play drums for chess records. Mm-hmm. 
before he did Earth, Wind and Fire, mm-hmm. right? Etta James, right? So you got all these great people coming out of uh, Chicago, right? Motown, right? Marvelette, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, mm-hmm. The Temptations, The Supremes, <laughs> right? Bobby, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's, right? Um, yes, those great, great, and the unsung ones like the Velvelettes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Junior Walker and the All-Stars, <laughs> right? You have those people, um, and that's Detroit, right? Florida, Florida had Betty Wright, Casey and the Sunshine Band, right? You know, um, there was another guy, Clarence, forgot his last name. He he was known for writing uh, songs for like, um, I think he wrote for Gwen McRae, George McRae, hmm. right? Um, Steve Alamo, right? So, you know, and then California, you know, they had their groups too, you know, Jesse Belvin, the Aladdin, right? Um, I think the Watts 103rd Street Band, right? Hmm. Sly Stone came from Vallejo, California, hmm. Sly and the Family Stone, yeah. right? From the Bay Area, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had at that time music still not some not supposedly supposedly so social conscious but it's good yeah coming mm-hmm. out of the all these different parts of the united states mm-hmm. midwestern soul uh bay area soul got florida soul memphis soul new york soul mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. where does reggae come in i feel like it's it's mm. sort of this wild card from Jamaica so? that, that just like <laughs> that just changes everything. <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you, um, Jamaica, um, if you listen to the variations of their music, ska, mm-hmm. ska is 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 really I call it like um uh, jazz and skiffle. Mm-hmm. Skiffle music comes from England, mm-hmm. right? But <clears throat> ska lens is um, his elements come from jazz, mm-hmm. right? Very fast, that, 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 but the beat, right? Mm-hmm. But Jamaica was heavily influenced by what was going on in the United States. So a lot of times when ska evolved into rock steady, mm-hmm. where the beat got a little bit more laid back, a lot of those rock steady records were uh, covers of a lot of... Uh, R&B records, mm-hmm. okay. Um, one of one of the guys like Alton Ellis, Hortense Ellis, right? Even Bob Marley. Um, before he was Bob Marley and the Whaler, the Whalers, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, Toots and the Matos, the Ethiopians, mm-hmm. right? Um, you, if you listen to the songs, their covers are R&B records. Mm. If you um, like listen to rock steady, like take some time to listen to rock steady, mm. and you'll hear they're borrowing from a lot. Uh, Curtis Mayfield had a big influence on reggae, mm. rock steady, and reggae music, and you'll hear that. Um, when you listen to uh, Bob Marley's uh, One Love, mm. um, he's borrowing from People Get Ready. Mm. From Curtis Mayfield. Hmm. Listen to the two. Yeah. They're the same. <laughs> but he calls it one love. Right. Right. 
Um, and then reggae. Reggae itself is a song, because even you can look at the evolution of Jamaican music and see that Jamaican music does um, change with according to what happened in Jamaica. Mm. Okay? And the music got harder, yeah. edgier. Okay? Because remember, Jamaica became independent in 1962. And at that time, the top group in 1962, Jamaica was... Um, um, he's a very popular guy. Um, it'll come to me. The Dragonairs, mm. right? They were in James Bond's movie, Dr. No. <laughs> Okay, there's a popular song they had in 1962, and they were featured in Dr. No, The Dragonairs, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that symbolized, like, freedom, mm-hmm. independence. But as time went on, the music started getting a little harder. Mm-hmm. Now, Rocksteady, you know, got that nice beat, you know, seemed like things are going good. You know, very driving. Mm. But then as economics and things change in Jamaica, it got harder and became reggae. Yeah. Reggae became the social consciousness consciousness Mm -hmm. of what was going on for Jamaican people. Yeah. And then Bob Marley was able to place himself in that because Bob Marley grew up a very poor man, you know, outside of Kingston, Mm -hmm. Jamaica, even though he was singing... Back in the days, he was a very poor man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But you can see the evolution. But reggae was heavily, like Jamaican music has been heavily music, um, um, music has been heavily influenced by American music. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then yeah. and then the other way around again. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. Something that, I guess I have two trains of thought. Let's, let's go into... Punk, I guess. It seems like yeah. punk was, uh, like, I don't know if it's, if it began as like a white thing or if it, if the spirit of it still began in soul. That's a good question. Um, I think punk, no. I think punk is rooted. It might have some elements of it, mm. but it's punk is rooted in 1960s garage music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you check out some of the 1960s garage psychedelic, mm. that's where you hear punk. Yeah. That's where it comes. But in a way, there is some influence of R&B, like blues. Mm-hmm. You still hear some traces in it, you know, the drivingness of it, yes, yeah, it's there because a lot of garage bands, what they what they would do is play their own versions of R and B records. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I can I agree with that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. it, it does seem like yeah, punk was kind of driven by white artists, but like when mm-hmm. you look at the, I guess the the core ideals of punk sort of mm-hmm. breaking down these systems and fight yes. the man. I mean, that's just, that's right. That's sold all over it, you know? <laughs> well, it is. It is. I mean, when it really, um, not so much sold, just anti-establishment. Yeah, yeah. 
know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When you when you listen to the Clash, when you listen to the London Town, mm-hmm. <laughs> going against the Queen, baby. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of a lot of white kids were living in neighborhoods that were disenfranchised, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and a lot of them they developed, they became skinheads. Mm-hmm. You know, they developed their own culture, their own music. Um, and some blacks were involved with the skinhead culture too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying in England, but but what I'm saying is that um, it was anti-establishment mm-hmm. because remember they were speaking to the same things that a lot of kids were speaking to, like yo, we ain't got no jobs. You know what I'm saying? You know my family's poor. The neighborhood is not good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's rat infested. You know what I'm saying? So they had to speak to that. You know, punk, especially in England, they had to speak to that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's a funny thing, too, because, I mean, we talk about Rick, Rick Rubin. I mean, he mm-hmm. he was inspired by a lot of punk as well. Oh, yeah. And I think to him, he saw those ideals like we're talking about is like the like anti-establishment sort of stuff is the same sort of stuff that a lot of hip hop was doing at the time, too. And so I That's think right. that like looking at both sides of that and being like, Hey, we want to stop being oppressed by the system is a lot of the same stuff that hip hop was doing. A lot of the same stuff that bunk was yeah. doing. And that's where you get that's that right. crossover with, with rock and roll and hip hop. Listen, Rick Rubin, um, was a great marriage. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, he produced the beastie boys. He produced LL public enemy. So ghetto boys, listen, it's that thing against against establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you I, know, and that's what's in common. Yeah. And 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 that's the edge um that was needed. Mm. Yeah. Most definitely. Um and he's a pioneer along with Russell Simmons. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Here's something else, I guess, uh on soul uh jazz i feel like in some ways has been sort of co-opted by i guess white culture in that like it seems like the how academia has grabbed onto jazz and being like this very (laughs) academic sort of thing and that like there's this kind of jazz artist that you have to be you have to study and do this sort of thing and i Uh feel like it it's sort of become this dry thing that you think so. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like for people having to try to learn jazz and I, I only dabbled in jazz a little bit in school, but I feel okay. like that, that academic sort of nature that was coming from, uh, the school is very like, dry to me in the same way that like classical mm-hmm. music and i also study a, a bit of classical music as well is that mm-hmm. like it has this dry academic sort of book sort of thing um at least jazz does have that bridge that goes into like yeah you you have to improvise you have to feel the music you have to uh be in it and at least there's that but like i do feel like academic jazz if you will and like that sort of like easy listening sort of stuff is like i don't know like um jazz fusion for example has just kind Mm of one it's very advanced stuff but it's also become like the sound of like i don't know uh 
elevator music. <laughs> and so, ah. and so like, it's, it's yeah. confusing in a way because it's like, you have these very virtuosic musicians uh-huh. doing crazy stuff in jazz fusion, but then it gets oh, like yeah. co-opted to be like, Oh yeah. It's just like nice, easy listening stuff to have on the background or whatever of like an well, elevator. I, I would kind of not hope that because right. you know, the people that were part of jazz fusion was Miles Davis, Herbie right. Hancock, Chick Corea, mm-hmm. um, some of the greats. I would hope that it wasn't diminished to <laughs> elevated music, um, weather report, those type of groups. Mm. Um, I could see you saying that, um, that it's something that, you know, it, you feel it's dry, but really it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you play jazz, you just have to play it, mm-hmm. you know, now they've been able to develop music classes and you know uh, programs around it if you want to study jazz mm-hmm. um i think um when tito puente got his start he studied under the gi bill with juilliard mm-hmm. and he studied musical composition mm-hmm. okay and probably arrangement all the other stuff he created Mm-hmm. But he had to have a foundation um, to help him take him in the direction that he wanted to go in with Latin music. Yeah. Because Tito did both Latin salsa, mm-hmm. but he also did jazz, Latin jazz. Yeah. But a lot of the structure of those two genres was developed because he went to school for that. Yeah. So I can see you going to school to understand composition, arrangement, um, and theory. I can I can see that. Um, but whatever else that comes out of that is your creation. Right, yeah. Um, in regards to that. Um, there are some, like the Berkeley School of Music, you want to learn composition, uh, arrangement, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even production. But like I said, um, a lot of your greats, they got their training by just playing. Exactly. Okay. Miles Davis did not go to school. Mm-hmm. He basically learned how to jam with the greats. Yeah. Okay. And the greats that came before him is like the the the, the Lester Youngs, right? Um, uh, Lester Young, um, Dizzy Gillespie. Mm. You know, a lot of times you were in jam sessions with these people. And one thing about Miles Davis, he kept his ear to the street, meaning he changed with the times. Yeah. Cause because if because if Miles Davis wanted to, he could just stay playing bebop. Sure. But he didn't. Bitches brew. Every era that came, mm-hmm. Miles Davis changed. He learned it, incorporated it, and and then what was good about Miles Davis, he would always get young musicians. Mm-hmm play with them like okay might have a period where he played with this set of musicians then he gets herbie hancock and some other musicians then he gets marcus miller Mm -hmm. this is another phase yeah you know but the only way that a lot of these guys and ladies was able to learn is by playing yeah you would get up on stage like lester i think it was lester young Mm -hmm. he learned how to play um with um, Dizzy Gillespie, not Dizzy Gillespie, uh, Charlie Parker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
he had to get up there and and jam. Mm -hmm. He had to, you know, and learn. So I think what a lot of the universities do um, now is that they realize they can make money off of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you go to school. You know, I'm not knocking it because, I mean, Juilliard, for you to get into Juilliard, that's like one of the tops. Um, uh, in terms of that, if you want to learn classical composition and stuff like that, which I don't knock it for that. Um, and there are, because even I myself, I was thinking about going to um, a school before COVID. I wanted to just learn jazz, mm -hmm. just to understand the feeling of jazz. Right. You know what I mean? And um, how me as a bass player can play jazz, because mm -hmm. I still want to play jazz. Yeah. Um, I can see me doing that and I can see you doing that, but, um, and learning jazz guitar and all that, which is nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times the way you're going to learn is by learning, learning, just doing it and working with somebody yeah. that has done it. Right. You know, so I understand where you're coming from with that. Um, a lot of schools make, make, making money, right. um, that way, but, um, there are some people that are, um, are learning to become, accomplish um singers and musicians and they go to school for that mm. and this is where they learn the foundation because remember when you learn the foundation you can go anywhere yeah um in regards to that but um it really depends on what you're looking for right well you i know? i do think that i mean not just the the educational part but the mm -hmm. i mean there's this whole thing of like uh, they get like jazz bands to play at like corporate events you know and have just like oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah and so it's like it's i mean it's not to completely always make it about a race thing but it's like mm -hmm. white people taking a, a a cool thing like jazz and then just making it boring well, and accessible background music for their corporate events stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. well listen <laughs> if, it's, if if somebody hides you no, I will, I will. I will gladly, you, you gladly yeah, take I, money but, <laughs> to play the girl from Ipanema yeah. twenty times. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'm gonna tell you something. This is what another <laughs> musician told me. Right? You're gonna make your money playing the girl from Ipanema twenty times. Right? That's where your your main money is gonna come from, and and unfortunately. They don't listen to music like you do. <laughs> They're not going to, you know, you, you're not going to do Blue Rondo a la Turk. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you, right. Okay. You're not going to do Bitches Brew. Mm. <laughs> okay. They don't care about that. So a lot of times you're going to make your money from playing that same damn beat mm -hmm. <laughs> or song. Or like, for, you know, like, for instance, it's like, you got people, don't get me wrong, I like Journey, um, <laughs> but you can only some play people don't just want to hear so Don't times. Stop Believing. <laughs> right. They just want to hear it. Yeah. So if they're going to pay you $2,000 to play Don't Stop Believing, you're going to play it. Okay. <laughs> now, what you play with your group <laughs> and your people it's a different thing. Mm -hmm. It is. And that's just, <laughs> that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. um, people want you to play what they remember from their time in their life. 
<laughs> you know, may not be what you like, mm-hmm. but you getting paid to do it. Right. So, you know, that's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving you some tips sure. yeah, because because yeah, yeah. the guy when when I started doing gigs, he was right. Mm. <laughs> they ain't gonna be sitting up there listening to Sam and Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. they're not gonna be playing Sly Stone if they know a Sly Stone song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you can play the girl from Impanima, like you said, which is not now. Just to give credit to Carlos Jobim, <laughs> um, I do like Brazilian music. Mm-hmm. I think it's hot. Okay. Um, I definitely like um, Astro Gilberto um, and, and Stan Getz when they started doing um, Bossa Nova and Brazilian music. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's great music. Okay. The Brazilian music is great music. And I've heard other uh, um, Milton Nascimento. Um, that stuff I like. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I understand what you're saying. <laughs> you know, girl, Ipanema, you know what I mean? But, but he was right. Mm-hmm. There are certain songs that people want you to play and you will play it 20 times. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. They're not digging it. You know, they're not digging the jazz like you digging it. You know what right. Saying? Well, I mean, I, right. I, I dig all music, but like, you know, right. you, you can only have right. a chocolate cha- a chocolate cake so many times before you, like I right. listen. <laughs> you you once you you've been playing now, mm-hmm. you'll find that when you go from gig to gig, there's a pattern. <laughs> there's, a, there's a particular pattern. What's what's the one music the the keep happening for you that you're just like, all right, here we go. Don't stop believing again. <laughs> right, yes. That um You mentioned uh Bon Jovi last time, so I'm guessing living on a prayer. Li- well, actually <laughs> we've attempted Living on a Prayer is a hard song. No, yeah, it no, really I, is. I know, but it's, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. I don't we don't really get requests for that. It might be Rolling Stones. Okay. Um which is blues. Yeah, it is. <laughs> actually. Um we might get um satisfaction, which don't get me wrong. Satisf- I like Satisfaction. Yeah. Actually, that's our Otis Redding song that... Um, actually, no. The Otis Redding did the, did the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones, I do like Satisfaction. That's a, that's a, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For some reason, every time I hear that song, I'm like, damn. This shit is killer. Yeah. I mean, for that time, that was a hard record. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get that. Um, if it's Don't Stop Believing, <laughs> um, it might be um, Who Says You Can't Go Home. Hmm. <laughs> right that's another one um um here here i go again hmm. white snake <laughs> right that because you know that was in the commercial mm. um they get they get crazy um i've done some songs um everybody talks oh wow yeah <laughs> i've done everybody talks um there's a couple of more. It's not coming to me right now because right. I, I really haven't been practicing all that much. But we've done a lot mm. of songs. And there's some favorites um, that people like. Now, the songs, like, we've done The Doors. Um, uh, what's that song from The Doors? It's not... Um, uh, dun, 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 dun. Oh, Break On Through to the Other yeah, Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good song. Yeah. But, but we don't... We don't play it a lot, <laughs> but but that's something out of our catalog. That's 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that really we don't play a lot. Yeah. You know, because it's really not a favorite um in regards to that. Um, we've done um oh, Amy Winehouse, um, mm. rehab. Yeah. Huh. That's a good one, actually. Yeah. Um, rehab. We've done that, you know. Um, actually, I like rehab. Mm. <laughs> rehab was pretty good. Um, in regards to that. But so there's a, there's like quite a few that people like to hear, and you may have to play it for the twentieth time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, I mean, what's oh, we talk a lot about history, or we've been talking a lot about history and like older music. Mm-hmm. What what are you jamming to nowadays? Wow. That's that's a mix. From nowadays. Um, <laughs> from nowadays. Well, one person that I like, um, I think she's underrated, to be honest with you. Her name is um, is Vivian Green. Hmm. She's got this song, Get Right Back to My Baby, hmm. which incorporates... Frankie Bell, Frankie Beverly. Before I let go, hmm. um, it was produced by this guy. He was from Brooklyn, Kwame, who used to be um, on the same label as Salt and Pepper. <laughs> well, he was on Atlantic, but um, but he was produced by Herb, Herbie Lovebug. Um, but Vivian Green, um, I like. There's this group. Uh, I like Anderson Pack. Yeah. Anderson Pack is fly. Yeah. His style. I, I can't, sometimes I can't see the, tell the difference between him and Kendrick Lamar because they, they sound is kind of mm. similar. But Anderson Pack, I love him. Um, he's good. Um, there's like, um, there's another one that I like. Um, I mean, thinking of, like Anderson Pack. Thinking of Anderson Pack and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. I, can't help but think right. of uh, Thundercat. Uh, oh, you know, Thundercat. Thundercat. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, Thundercat. Yeah, Thundercat. This is group um, Bishop, the artist. Um, he has this song called Remedy. Hmm. So it kind of like trap, got like like trappish. Yeah. Um, in terms of the music, but it's good. It's it's got a um, I, I like the flow of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do like. Um, there's this guy Stemmin. Um, mm. I forgot what country he goes from. He comes from, but he does R&B. He got a nice sound um, as well. Um, I like this is kid called Taiwan. Mm. Um, he's pretty good. Um, so some of the like new R&B artists. Yeah. Um, I like listening to. Um, sometimes I I go back. One of you know. Like one of my favorite hip hop artists is Ghostface Killer. Yeah. From Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like his wordplay and he likes to use old school samples. Yeah. In his songs mm-hmm. that, that just makes the songs killer. Yeah. I like um, Master Ace. Yeah. Master Ace is still one of my favorite. He's still of, touring. Uh, Ghostface, actually. Uh, do you know about Bad, Bad, Not Good? Uh, no. So mm-hmm. Bad, Bad, Not Good is this, uh, I guess, jazz trio uh but they do almost hip-hop style jazz type things and they did an album Mm -hmm. with ghostface 
Oh, um, nice. And so he's he's rapping with a backing band, effectively. Nice. So it's, now, it's see, pretty cool. I like stuff like that because yeah. that's old school right yeah. there <laughs> is when you are rapping with a backup band because mm-hmm. that's that is how hip hop started. Mm-hmm. They had bands and they would rap with the band. Right. And it had a very natural feel. If you listen, if you get a chance, check out The Treacherous Three. Mm-hmm. Which um, Kumo D came from the Treacherous Three. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they were three guys from Harlem and they got together um, with Bobby Robinson's label. They were on Bobby Robinson's label called Enjoy Records and they had a band. And the guy that was a, a part of the band was uh, Pumpkin. His, name was, his nickname was Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And it was just straight them playing instruments and those guys rapping. They would just go wordplay while the band was playing. Yeah. Killer. Yeah. Just killer. Just killer. So I like stuff like that. Yeah. Because really that's natural. That's 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 how really it started. Yeah. Where do you, I guess, want music to be going now? Because it, it seems like, you know, every... Once in a while, we have these new movements happening. I feel like nowadays, uh, trap is what's really like mm-hmm. on the trend. Um, yeah. But I guess where do you think the future is of soul music and hip hop and R and B and all of this? Well, I think I'm 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 enlightened by it. Um, what I'm seeing is that R and B artists now. The ones that are established, like um, Anthony Hamilton, uh, LaDC, um, you got other artists like Kanye Doss, um, mm. if you want to check her out. She, um, I think she's one of the un- most underrated um, soul singers out there. Um, Lisa James. What these artists are doing now is they are taking control of their material, their publishing, and they're putting out their own product. Yeah. Um, I think when you have total control of your product, um, you want to put out good music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more responsibility involved because you don't have third parties handling your business. Right. But I think there is more of a dedication to you putting a better product out. Yeah. And you and we're taking a page from young people, especially some of the hip hop artists. They're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hip hop to me is going to go to another level like it always has been. Um, it'll continue. Um, I'm seeing more collaborations between young and old artists, young producers, older rappers. Yeah. Um, I want to see more younger rappers collaborating with older artists because mm. that's where the cross-pollinization oh, yeah. happens. And, and I think you're seeing more and more of that now because... Um, I feel like black artists now realize they need to take ownership of their product Mm -hmm. Um, because for so long we've had other people, uh, you know, take ownership of our publishing, take ownership of our masters. Mm -hmm. And I think you should own your masters Yeah, because you can decide whether to put out a greatest hits album or the the best of right. or um, lend your music out to other people. But you have to uh, put things in place or people in place that will handle that for you. But it's still you. 
Um, I think to me, um, I, I'm I'm very happy about that direction um, because you you know when you gain knowledge, knowledge is power. Yeah. And once you figure out how things work, because you've been in the industry long enough to learn how things work, then you can start putting things in place. Um, I really do feel that um, soul music, R and B music, hip hop music is 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 just going to go up. Yeah. Is is because now hip hop music and hip hop is 47 years old. Mm. Um it's almost 50 years old. Hip hop is the new rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. This is where the money is coming from mm-hmm. throughout the world. Yeah. This is where it's coming from. You know, so finally um even though hip hop you know, they gave hip hop a dirty look. <laughs> they diss hip hop mm-hmm. in the beginning. Oh, this ain't gonna make no money. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. When you watch commercials, you hear hip hop mm-hmm. or you hear old school R and B records mm-hmm. as as the underlying uh track in a in a commercial. Yeah. Hip hop is a multi billion dollar business and it is the new rock and roll. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Uh do you know about Afrofuturism? Uh, that's it's something that I've been really into lately, and I feel like, I mean, well, I guess so. First of all, what do you know about Afrofuturism? Well, I heard the term. Mm. Um, you tell me a little bit yeah, about yeah. it. Okay, so Afrofuturism is more than just music, but it's. Oh, it's taking. You mean like Afrobeat? Uh, well, no, it's it's like um. So, the idea is basically like, if black people had been allowed to thrive, if the system hadn't quashed quashed them down every step of the way, what would black culture become? If, oh, and so mm-hmm. Afrofuturism is sort of like so. If you look at Black Panther, for example. Yeah. Wakanda is that Afrofuturism ideal of like they were untouched by the rest of the world and they were allowed to thrive on their own. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like Afrofuturism is is a beautiful thing because it allows this perspective of having black artists and black culture exist mm-hmm. outside of the context of slavery outside of the context of systemic mm-hmm. racism and right. allows artists to thrive in this sort of new idea mm-hmm. of what this sort of peak afro culture could be and so mm-hmm. i feel like artists that represent that um i mean going way back with like sun ra but then yeah. also um, nowadays, mm-hmm. Janelle Monae and Beyonce oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. are are doing this sort of thing of like, yeah, yeah, taking mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. culture and going to the future with it, and so yeah. it's almost a little science fiction even at times. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I feel like I mean every single one of Janelle Monae's albums are concept mm-hmm. albums involving androids yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I've, I've really been into. And I think uh, for me is, is kind of the future of what 
soul can be and sort of mm-hmm. taking this look at black culture outside of the lens of persecution and instead going, okay. what are we unbound? Well, you know what? <laughs> I've always, to me, black music is future, futuristic. Yeah. Always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Janelle Monet and Beyonce doing is very powerful because what they're doing is they're, they're, they're presenting our culture to people and to our people um, to let them know this is where it can go. Yeah. And to me, I don't have a problem with that because I always felt in my heart that black music always was futuristic, mm-hmm. even from the beginnings of time. Mm-hmm. Look at some the different genres of music that have evolved. You have gospel, you got jazz. You 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 go from ragtime mm-hmm. to swing, right? From swing to jazz, right? From jazz to the different iterations of jazz, mm-hmm. bebop, right? Cool jazz. Then you got fusion. Mm-hmm. Then you got smooth jazz, right? And even to the fact of music from Africa. Mm-hmm. And you heard African music and James Brown's music. Yeah. You heard African music from Miriam Makeba, right? You heard African music and Fela Kuti. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff from the motherland is making a full circle. Mm-hmm. Because if you trace African music, you can bring it to the, to the present. Yeah. And it's going to continue. Even with Afrobeat, like Fela was Afrobeat, right? And then um, the other sister, she is from Benin. Um, uh, I love, I love her. She's French. She speaks French. But the thing is, she has been on the forefront of Afrobeat as well, in a different language, you know. But all what is happening is that all that music. We're, in other words, we're more linked to Africa than we think. Yeah. People don't want to identify that. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's okay. But when you listen to our music and you listen to music in general, it comes a lot of it comes from Africa. Mm-hmm. When you listen to Latin music, salsa, everything, mm-hmm. all of that comes from the motherland. Yeah. So I think we're making a full circle. And we're finally not ashamed, we're proud, and we're going to project into the future that, that this is where it comes from. Yeah. And this is where it's going. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, and that also comes full circle with Black Lives Matter and where we're at now. Oh yeah. And we're we're pushing forward and, you know, as, as long as. Black people are treated unequally, then no one is being treated equally. And I agree. I mean, to me, if you can't treat people right, then what's the, you know, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How am I going to treat you good and don't treat somebody else good? Mm -hmm. How does that make sense? Right. How does that financially make sense? (laughs) Right. Think about it. You 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 groove to my music, 
but then you don't treat me right? Mm. What's that? Yeah. But I can groove to your music, but I treat you with respect. Sure. So how does that work? Mm. Right. Don't and, work. And I mean, even... Because <laughs> uh, yeah. for me, I'm Latinx. I don't necessarily okay. yes. have like a direct connection, but I mean, it, it's always like we've been talking about all this history, the, mm-hmm. the connection with like Afro-Cuban, for example, and yeah. uh, how salsa plays into everything. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's all right. interconnected and the way that all these cultures is. interact is, Listen, is a huge part even of it. If you from Puerto Rico and I grew up with a lot of Puerto Ricans, mm. right? Here in the Bronx, because mm. a lot of Puerto Ricans moved to the Bronx, yeah. right? Puerto Rican culture includes the Boricua and Tainos, mm. and also the Spaniards and the Africans. Yeah. So a lot of the of of of, of the indigenous, the African and the and the European, which is the Spanish. It's incorporated in the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't get away from that. And even you, you are Latinx, right? Now, if you're Latinx from California or like um I was born in Texas Venezuela. or whatever. Ven- okay. Now, see, that's another <laughs> thing. I've been to I've been to Venezuela. Wow, okay. <laughs> and when I went to Caracas. And I saw all the different types of people in Venezuela. It mm. blew my mind. I met black people. I met indigenous. I met white Venezuelans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you, you bring all that richness with you. The guy that is, I think, is he still the conductor of the Los Angeles Symphony? I think so, yeah. Uh, do the man. Do it right. Yeah. Okay. The guy's a genius. <laughs> yeah. The school that he went to wasn't Juilliard, mm-hmm. but he learned his craft there. Mm-hmm. And he was recognized and brought here. So you bring, even in classical music, the elements are there. Mm-hmm. You bring that with you. Yeah. It comes with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So depending on where you come from, if you mestizo or whatever, you know what I'm saying? You bring all of that with you Mm -hmm. and it comes out in the music. I don't care what nobody says. (laughs) It comes out in the music. Yeah. It does. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. (laughs) You know, that's what's up. Terry, this has been awesome. Where can we, (laughs) where can we find you and your things? Listen. Find me on uh, bolasoul.com and I'm going to tell you, I play, I'm going to play, um, I'm going to do a show on Latin Boogaloo <laughs> because L- Latinos in New York were influenced by soul music mm-hmm. and it came out and it became R&B salsa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do a show on that, but you can catch my show on um, bolasoul.com. You can download to get some soul to go. Um, go to Live 365, look up a bowl of soul, a mixed duo soul music, uh, 24 hours of soul. Um, you can catch me on iHeartRadio. And as well, you can catch me on prn.fm at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Pacific. 
you can catch me on radio.garden as well. And you follow me on Facebook, a bowl of soul, a mixed of soul music as well. And hit me up on Gmail, a bowl of soul at gmail.com. Well, awesome. I look forward to <laughs> checking out all your stuff. I hope that all of my listeners I, check out all your stuff. And uh, good. this has been a great conversation. I'm so glad. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed you. I learned some stuff from you. <laughs> keep on doing what you're doing. I like you doing that your podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just keep pushing up. Just go up. That's where it is. <laughs> go up, not down. Up. All right. <laughs> all uh, right. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom is available now, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background or show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy it on Bandcamp and get bonus content so you can sit alone in the dark with your headphones on and listen to the album in its entirety while reading and looking at the bonus content. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are, love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong. <laughs>